Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Colter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Howdy to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Outstanding to be with you on this very fine Thursday evening. Thanks for letting us roll along with you. Hour number two. If you missed anything in hour number one, you check it out on the podcast. The To Tell Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, you can check out the uh, To Tell Nuanas podcast at your leisure on your favorite platform. We appreciate that. It is brought to us by Blackfoot communications if you would like to call 361-3688 361-3688 the phone number all guests join us via the baggage brothers rv phone line if you want to pick up your phone and text you can do that as well 361-3688 you can get in touch with us that way uh, if you would like to also if you want to listen live and you're you know not near your radio by your television whatever maybe it's just easier to stream it go to the website 1029espn.com you stream the show you stream the station all thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. You and I have discussed so many avenues of life, religion, <laughs> 
politics, spirituality, music, sports. We have talked sports from time to time. We hardly ever, if ever, have talked about movies. Are you into movies? I, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you what movies you like or have well, watched. Sure, or you, anything. you know, few. Well, uh, yeah, you like the Big Lebowski. There you go. Fail. <laughs> I just like getting you going. I'm, you tried I'm to ready make to walk right. You tried to make me watch this post uh, beverages and football so many times, yeah. and it's it's just so funny. I've watched the Big Lebowski probably thirty times. I've watched the first thirty minutes of the Big Lebowski probably three hundred times. <laughs> um, what else do you like? I mean, you know, there's some great movies out there. You know, like, there is. You give me, you give me spies, sus- suspense, not okay. suspense like thriller suspense, but like action suspense. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, you give me uh, humor. Do you like James Bond? Love Bond. R.I.P. Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah. Sean Connery passed a couple days ago now. Just over the weekend, I believe mm-hmm. it was Saturday, late Friday night, Saturday yeah. morning. Love Bond, uh, particularly though, and I mean, you know, okay, what it is, but the Daniel Craig Bond is just, it's just phenomenal. So I'm, yeah, I'm, he's a, he's a, a such a, a different reiteration of the character. He is, and and you know, let's I think, be, I think let's that, be real, the the the. the the theme of Bond has progressed in a positive way since Sean Connery in terms of the story and what he is and what well, it's about. Like you're getting an actual, you know, theme here other than just the standard low hanging fruit of, you know, good looking uh, spy. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to pieces of art, place and time is very important. Indeed. If you're going to watch the Sean Connery bonds now and treat it like it's today's day and age. You're going to be massively disappointed for a variety of reasons. I but mean, when he catches an airplane while it's flying past sure. him, it and leaves I, something I, to I, be desired. I, I understand the, the scrutiny of the way that Bond was in the sure, old sure, movies sure. and all that. But the the, th- the, th- the thing that's so amazing about the James Bond movies, though, is that Sean Connery defined James Bond. Mm. And then I think that Roger Moore... Pierce Brosnan, everybody else that came after Sean Connery tried to just be like Sean tried Connery. Tried to do that thing. That's right. And I think Pierce Brosnan probably came closest, but you're just mm-hmm. not going to be Sean Connery. Right. Daniel Craig has redefined the character yeah. and made it into a modern deal. But anyways, the reason I was asking this, have you ever seen the movie The Heat? The Michael Mann film with Robert De Niro and Val Kilmer. This is like in and, Miami and yeah, they're doing that. It's, it's I, a great heist movie. I have movie. seen it. It's been a long time. I've seen it once or maybe even a second time. And I do recall liking it, but it's been a long time since I saw yeah, it. Yeah, Al Pacino, Robert yep. De Niro. is a phenomenal movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. The reason that I thought of this is the, the Lady Grizz basketball team, who, by the way, we'll get into the, their schedule in a moment. <laughs> okay. They've been doing these little things just highlighting all their players because they have so many players. I've seen this. And they're and doing smooth name that movie scene and, and all that. And it's like, like, you know, who's your favorite actor or whatever? Mm-hmm. There's songs about you or, you know, facts about you. And Carmen G. Feller, who yes. I think has a chance to be one of their better players this year, if she can stay healthy, she said her favorite movie was The Heat. Mm. So I was thinking, this gal's got some historical yeah, knowledge. There's yeah. no way she was even born when that movie came out. If she's liking Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, we need to get her on the show. Yeah. But then I realized she's referring to like the Sandra Bullock uh, comedy with the, who's the other gal that's famous now? The, I don't know. You know who she is. Melissa something or other. She's like the famous comedian gal. Oh, man. You know. But here's uh, the, Melissa McCarthy. Oh, who, oh. She's like the hot new. But let's be clear here. Because here's the thing. The heat, okay, whatever yeah. that is. I don't yeah. even know what that is. I think the Al Pacino is just heat. Heat, right. It's not the heat. So that's why I tripped down that rabbit hole because okay. I was thinking, 
okay, when was the when was heat made? Yeah. Heat was made in 1994. Yeah. Carmen G. Feller was probably negative six years old at that moment. By the way, just so we're clear, because I said lucky number seven. Great movie. I mean that very underrated movie. Hugely underrated. I mean, that's one of my that's one of my favorite movies of all time for it's sure. A, it's a great twist. So before we get into before we get these NFL picks against the spread, worth noting that the Lady Grizz did release their uh, non conference basketball schedule mm. yesterday. The reasons that those are those that is important. Number one, November twenty fifth is when the schedule opens. Lady Grizz will be playing on the first day of the basketball season. They'll play at Utah State on November twenty fifth. Yep. It's going to be a very intriguing matchup because Utah State has been very good in recent years. We also know that Logan is a place that's very passionate about basketball, but Utah State has a new head coach. They have a ton of new faces, and the Lady Grizz have a new head coach and a ton of new faces. So both teams going into that one a little bit blind. The other non-conference games for the Lady Grizz that were confirmed yesterday, they'll play at home against North Dakota on December 7th and Utah Valley on December 21st. They'll also play at Gonzaga Gonzaga won 29 games last yeah. year. Gonzaga is yeah, an absolute. Power. I mean, they're a top 10, top 12 team. Yep. And they also play at Seattle U on December 15th. So a little road trip from Spokane to Seattle and home for Lady Grizz. And then the MSU women, they actually got their schedule done before any of the other Montana basketball teams. But they are going to host South Dakota School of Mines and North Dakota. Then they're going to be at BYU, at Utah Valley, and then home against South Dakota State. It's impactful, though, that the Lady Grizz get to play that November 25th game because you got to remember Montana – both men and women, they are the one team that have that sort of anomalous conference opener December 3rd and 5th against Southern Utah. So Lady Grizz, Mike Petrino, he gets a chance to have a game under his belt yeah, be- play. before they go play the Big Sky games. Yeah, yeah very good. All right, Coulter, uh, let's get into some NFL stuff, shall we? The uh, NFL Week 9 opens tonight, just about an hour from now. The Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers uh, this is pretty remarkable, and there's a, it's very explicable as well. The look-ahead line, so the line for this game prior to last week's game is effectively what that means. Minus one favor of the 49ers, a one-point favorite. After this last week, even though the Packers lost to the hapless and awful Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> the Packers are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite now in this game. Uh Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, both injured in the game. They're out several weeks, both of them, obviously out tonight. And then another three, four players out due to COVID for the 49ers. Now, a couple players out for the Packers also due to COVID. uh, Williams and A.J. Dillon, two running backs. I still actually don't know the status of Aaron Jones for this game. Do we have it? He's been questionable. I don't know whether he's going to be, you know, a full go or not. But my thinking is, if if they feel like he can go out there and 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 give it a go, they're going to want him to because they got nobody else active, active for the game. Okay. David Bakhtiari not active. Okay, bad for the Packers. Well, certainly. I mean, David Rick Wagner. Rick Wagner is going to be a game time decision. He's their other tackle, and then Raven Green. I'm not sure about him. He's a safety. I yeah. think. Uh, he's questionable. Okay, fully inactive. Jordan Love, Kevin King. That's impactful. And then Bakhtiari is the only other one of, of much consequence. Um, I want to come back to the, that Jordan Love bit just a moment, but that's all well and good there for 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 Green. I mean, it's not well and good. Obviously, it's all everybody's out. It ain't close to what you got going no. in San Francisco. No. San Francisco might have, I don't know. Seriously, four guys that were starters week one that are still available to play in this game. I mean, this is an entirely new football team, and I'm sorry to tell you, Niners fans, as it is, and it's no, it's, you know, 
No, nobody thinks that anybody's doing anything but their very best and a really good job and a great organization. This is a terrible football team right here that's coming out here to play on Thursday night because there's it, it ain't it is not the San Francisco 49ers. It just isn't. They, they still have some players of consequence, particularly defensively. Yep. Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw up front are still healthy. Fred Warner, who I think is the best inside line, the best true four three Mike in the league, besides probably Bobby Wagner, yeah, he's, is still healthy. He's, he's ridiculous. Drake Greenlaw, their strong side linebacker, is still healthy. And then Jimmy Ward actually came back from injury last week. He's their best safety. They played great. And yeah. Emmanuel Mosley has actually been pretty darn good. He's emerged as a corner. But you're right, oh, man. It, the, the, across the offense, they have nobody of consequence. Debo Samuel's out because of his exposure to Kendrick Bourne. Brandon Ayuk is out because of his exposure to Kendrick Bourne. That's going to be an interesting fold, too, though, because Kendrick Bourne tested positive, then he tested negative, then he tested positive, so they tested him again, and they're going to wait for the results so they all could be game time if he tests negative mm. again, but I don't really know how that works. But here's what we do know. What... Mullins is playing quarterback. That's right. Nobody's playing tight end. Right. And Tevin Coleman's out. They, running, they, running. They got. They. You know. They've. They've had a running back by committee anyway. But their committee is gone. Mm-hmm. And and even the wide receiver. I, I mean, you know, if Kendrick Bourne and Brandon Ayuk are there, obviously that's great. But also, like, you know, huh, they. Well, if Debo Samuel's healthy, that gives him a huge advantage. Or not a huge advantage, but that's a huge uh, boost because Debo Samuel is not only, I mean, he's their best playmaker on offense besides yeah. George Kittle. He can also take carries out of the backfield, too. He can be a part of that. All I'm saying run is, this is, a, this, is a, this is a hurting mash unit right well, now. Well, to me, to me, more than any other thing, I mean, because you you, you're right, you got Nick Mullen. So who's playing wide receiver is um, secondary in your concern and being able to move the sticks. It's the offensive line guys that are out because of the COVID exposure mm-hmm. that kill you. I mean, Trent Williams. I mean, Trent Williams is their probably second best guy besides Mike McGlinchey. So uh, that that hurts you a bunch. And they have three starters on the offensive line, at least as of right now, slated to be out. Um. All right, I like Green Bay in this game. Jordan Love Coulter was the first round pick of the Green Bay Packers. You may be aware of this. He's a quarterback. Did you know that? I I, I am well aware of that. Okay. He hasn't been active this year. Uh and and <laughs> I think Rogers put him in the corner. No. I like it's fine. Like a lot of times you, you you put a guy and you make him third on the depth chart or whatever, and then maybe he's not active for a game. You don't anticipate needing him and all, and all that kind of thing. So on one hand, like I understand that. Who the hell's Tim Boyle? Their backup. <laughs> I know, but who is he? I don't know. He's <laughs> he's like O'Doyle rules. You know. He's the guy who only you hear from him when ESPN does features about the weirdness of Aaron Rodgers, and they do stories, and they, then they talk to the backup quarterbacks in the quarterback Eastern room about Kentucky. karaoke. Tim Boyle's been there for a little bit, a couple of years. Third season. But in any case, you know, first of all, why wouldn't Jordan Love be the backup? I mean, if you, if you spent a first-round pick on a guy, wouldn't, if you needed him, wouldn't you want him to be the guy to step in and get some reps, get some experience? In any case, I just I don't know, man. I just I'm 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 still a bit disheveled because the Green Bay Packers are not as good as they could be and not as good as they should be, even though they're very good. And if they come up short, which they have a propensity to do, I'm gonna look at that and I'm gonna look at you know, everybody's gonna say, Oh, well, they made it to the, you know, divisional round or the NFC championship game. What a great season. No. I no. think that's so funny that that's your take, and then you'd have the exact opposite take of the exact same thing that I'm always arguing about the Seattle Seahawks. If you got one of the two best quarterbacks in the league, what you just said about the Packers is also true for the Seahawks. 
you are out of your mind. How? What? Because the Seahawks do everything they can to get as many dudes as they can to roll. And Green Bay sits there twiddling their thumbs going, ooh, I don't know, I might want that fourth round draft pick in 2023. I don't think I'm going to do it. Green Bay gets everybody to come in here, or excuse me, Seattle gets everybody to come in here and play football. And if you get as far as you can get and then you lose, it's okay. Green Bay going to the NFC Championship game last year, getting smoked by a much better San Francisco team, it's not great. You don't want your team to lose, but you know what? They had a great run and a great season, and they maximized what they were going to be last year. They're not going to maximize what they are this year, and unless they win the Super Bowl, which looks pretty unlikely at this very moment in time, you go, what are you doing? Nothing is the answer. Nothing. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. What other games are you interested in this weekend? Coulter, there's a handful of them. First of all... It's a bad week for gambling, so that dissipates my interest quite a bit. The Seattle Seahawks are playing in Buffalo uh, against the Buffalo Bills. They opened at a a one-and-a-half-point favorite, the Seahawks did. They will be a three-point favorite as of right now. This game will be for you right here on ESPN Radio. Happy once again, of course, to have the Seahawks uh, all season long for you here on ESPN Radio. Uh, this is an interesting game to me, man. I think that these two teams are um, are are somewhat evenly matched. Uh, I have the Seahawks in the top flight of the NFC. I have the Bills in technically the third tier of the AFC, but there's only three teams total above them. But the three teams there behind in the AFC, the three Super Bowl favorites, are are all ahead of Seattle in my mind. Absolutely, they're all. And so that puts that puts the Bills and the Seahawks on on par. The Seahawks being a road favorite is notable because Vegas likes Seattle more than they like Buffalo, and the way that Josh Allen's been going the last several weeks, that's reasonable. But what do we know? The Seahawks defense has been a very good get-right situation for a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, uh, 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 Kyler Murray had a couple pretty shaky weeks, and then he went into Seattle and went for, I don't know, 500 yards and four scores. So I don't think that uh, uh, Josh Allen's going to do that. My understanding is Jamal Adams is uh, very likely to play this Sunday for Seattle. He's their best defensive player, obviously. So that's a big, big get back for Seattle and what they're trying to do. And Buffalo has not been running the ball that well. But overall, the Bills have an okay defense. It's better than Seattle's defense. Personnel-wise, it's tremendously That's better. Yeah, but it, it, they haven't, they've been good, but they haven't been great. They haven't been as good. But they, Seattle's been terrible. Seattle's been terrible, but they should be terrible because they have not good personnel. And the guys that they do have that are good personnel, with the exception of Bobby Wagner, have been out. Yeah. So that is exploitable to me. The Bills personnel-wise should be one of the three or four best defenses mm-hmm. in the league. And if you look at the other teams that have personnel on par or better than the Bills, they have been among the three or four best defenses in the league. The Steelers, the Ravens, they've been significantly better than the Bills. They have better personnel, but I think the Bills have better personnel than almost everybody. I find it so fascinating. I, we have Mike Dugar on this show every single week from TheAthletic.com. But if you're a sports guy, you should go get a subscription of The Athletic because I do feel like reading from – beat writers yeah. is so much different than reading the national narrative. Absolutely. Hardly ever is the national writers and the national shows going to give you a deep dive into what's going on with the Buffalo Bills defense. They're going to talk about Josh Allen and, and Stephon Diggs, and that's about it. Tell me what you think. I think national writing about things that are pertinent in the national psyche 
are written to ask questions, right? And the beat writers write to answer questions. Such a good point, man. You should have been a journalist, man. That's, I, I missed is, my calling. That is excellent. Thank you. But when you just, I think that there's something going on with the Bills. I, I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but they've talked about. The, I mean, it's as simple as saying it's Josh Allen. No, I think that I think it's as simple as I, I think that they have. I, I here's what I think this is, and this is one of the factors that the, one of the Bills beat writers on the Athletic pointed to as an implication, but not a, not a determining, not not a definition of fact. The I think that the Bills have personnel wise what should be the best secondary in the National Football League. I think Tre'Davious White, uh, Teron Johnson, you know. Jordan Poirier and, and Micah Hyde, I think, are the best safety pair in the league. Out of the five guys that get prominent playing time for the Bills, four of them are coming up on contract years. The thing that has been the that has been failing the Bills in their defensive secondary performance, when you watch them, it seems to me that they're just not on the same page. You wonder if that's communication. And if you wonder if that stems from Guys trying to make, trying to get theirs and make their money rather than playing as a mechanism, which is what they need to do, especially in that particular defensive scheme. Because mm-hmm. when you look at the, the Bills, they I know Star Lotulele's been out, mm-hmm. but they got your boy Ed Oliver up front. Yeah. They have great linebackers. I mean, Tremaine Evans, Matt Milano, AJ Klein. They should be all. They, that should be one of the best cores in the league. And then they have this great secondary too, and they're they're giving up points pretty prevalently. But then it also could be something as simple as. When you have a team that's built to run the ball and play defense, and then all of a sudden you get this influx of explosive plays from Josh Allen's progression and Stephon Diggs' presence on the outside, now all of a sudden you have the ability to score a bunch of points. When you do that, though, you in turn put more pressure on your defense. We've seen it at all levels of football. When a team that is used to being a defensive-style team then starts scoring in bunches, that's more possessions the defense has to be on the field. Mm. If they're playing bend but don't break, I mean, it's, it's what the Titans have going on is very similar, right? Yeah. Ryan Tannehill is legitimate now. They have legitimate players on the outside. They've done a good job. I was hating on you about your boy Corey Davis. He's been pretty good. Been okay. The, A.J. Brown, though, is great. Yes. And, you know, the, the, the Titans are scoring. I think they have the second highest scoring offense in the NFL. Who thought that was going to happen? Yeah. But then when you're scoring 28 points a game, now all of a sudden your defense has a whole bunch more possessions too. You can't play the same style. So maybe it's just something as simple as that as well. But this game is intriguing. So I have a question for you though. The Bills were a, a team that was certainly trending up mm-hmm. towards the beginning of the season. Yeah. Everybody said, holy cow, look at Josh Allen. Look at the steps he's made. Right. They've been a little bit more in the middle but they're still six and two. The Ravens were this shooting star coming out of last year after they won what 13, 14 straight regular season games. But then they kind of fell flat in the playoffs. They looked great week one and blowing out the Browns. Mm-hmm. But they have just been incrementally being hurt by injuries week after week. They had the downfall against the Chiefs, so they didn't look that good at all. Got back on track with three straight wins, but you know. It wasn't as easy as you thought it was going to be against the Redskins. They barely covered that spread. Mm-hmm. The Washington football team, excuse me, I'm never going to stop doing that. I'm sorry. It's it's just, I know, it's a mechanism. I understand. Uh, um, but then, you know, the Eagles gave them everything they could handle. And an Eagles team that struggled. And then they lost last week. The Steelers lost last week to the, or the Ravens, excuse me, lost last week to the Steelers. But it seems to me, though, so, so to me, the Ravens have a, a pretty big game against the Colts this week. Yeah. They're really banged up. 
They got to they the formula to beat the Ravens. It's not that easy to implement, but it is out there for the world to see. You got to get up on them early. You have to make Lamar Jackson try to come back against you. If the Ravens get up seven or ten nothing, that is absolutely. It's the worst case scenario if you're playing the Ravens. If you're up ten nothing, no, it's the best case scenario if you're playing the Ravens. So everybody's trying to start fast, start fast. My question for you though is, I think Baltimore has a chance to drop this game in Indianapolis on Sunday. I think that the Seahawks also have a chance to lose in Buffalo on Sunday. If both of those results occur, does that change the way you tier the AFC? In other words, could the Bills pull up into this that second tier alongside the Ravens, behind still the Steelers and the and uh, the Chiefs if they win this game. Yeah, what would happen is the Bills wouldn't move up. The Ravens would drop down. There'd be nobody in the second tier. Right. And your third tier would be the Bills and the Ravens, and then the Steelers and the Chiefs would be way out ahead of everybody. uh, uh, If that if that was to happen, and you're right, I think it's it's by no means. I mean, even though I can't quite figure them out, they're playing well and they're winning football games in Indy right now, and and that is an intriguing matchup, the Colts and the Ravens for sure, and. I like the Seahawks to win almost every single game they play, and I know for sure there's several games they're not going to win. Right, and, and and the East Coast. This thing. this is always a, a one where you sit here and Seahawks fans know what I'm talking about, man. You bite your nails because you go, "Who's getting off the airplane in Buffalo? Is it the Seahawks or is it some other team?" Mm. And 67 and sunny in Buffalo on Sunday, though that is uh, definitely advantageous, not for the hosts. I mean, the, the easiest analysis of this is what. A good defense against an elite offense, and then a bad defense against a Jekyll and Hyde offense, and and so it's just about it's about which Bills offense and really which Josh Allen kind of shows up, and then and if 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 they're rolling, it's going to be an absolute track meet, and then the question is, can the Bills defense make a couple key stops, and if they can, you know, like get a couple of turnovers or whatever, uh, then then this swings into the Bills' favor. I think if you're talking about. Just a straight matchup. Seattle's a better team, and Seattle should win this football game. Okay. Yes or no? Rapid fire. Okay. These teams' playoff contenders. We're just talking the NFC. Okay. The Seahawks? Yeah, obviously. Of course. The Cardinals? Yes. The Rams? Yes. Think so? Yes. Okay. Contenders? <laughs> the Bucks? yes. Of course. The Saints, yes. Yeah. The Panthers? I'm going to say no. Okay. The Packers, yes. Yeah. Whoever wins the stink fest out east, right? Well, it's a, it's a rule. So, so then, yes. so then, this is this is my question for you then, and this gets back to one of what I think is one of the more intriguing games, and what a game that even just two or three weeks ago you never thought was going to be an intriguing game or a game that has any form of playoff implications. To me, the Rams got to prove it. It's going to take um, a pretty surprising effort from the Panthers. They're going to have to continue to surprise people. When is the the facade going to end for the Bears? And are the Vikings and the Lions legitimate? Because to me, the Vikings, I know, are only 2-5, and five, but they have five winnable games ahead of them right now. The Lions, I think, straight up might be just as good as the Rams. I don't know. Let me. Let so me. Rank, I guess what I'm saying, rank those teams in terms of, because to me, you're going to get one. The division champ out of the East is going to make the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Packers are going to win the North. They're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Bucks or the winner of the South, plus the other Saints yeah. <laughs> are going to make There's four. Probably, yeah. Seahawks yeah. are in. And then the Cardinals. Yeah. So then the race for the seven seed pretty much is between the Rams, the Panthers, 
the Lions, Bears, and Vikings. And the only reason I put the Lions and the Vikings in there is because I know Chicago's out in front of those two teams. But I think both those teams could beat the Bears once, if not twice. You you absolutely should include the liking, the Lions and the Vikings in that. And I'll, I'll even raise you a little bit if you want really optimistic. I have heard now rumors about thinking about a 16-team playoff. They're going to span it this year? With even, this? even one more team, potentially. Which I think is crazy. I don't think how, it's going to How do they happen. do that within the scope of a season? Well, I mean, yeah, they're just going to say we're going to add another team. How, how do you do anything? You just do the thing. Yeah, I guess you know? that's true. They, that's, I guess we're not dealing with college sports. We've been brainwashed. I think you have to go through the NCAA Division. No, you just got to go, oh, wait, we can make things. another $100 million? Let's do that. <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, so, the, you know, but, but you're, the, the, the NFC, you got one team from the East, so you got six slots. I mean, it is rare that two – it happens, right? Obviously, it happens every year because of the wild card. But, you know, two teams is like the maximum that you would get out of any, out of any division. I expect two teams from every division that's not the NFC East to be going to the playoffs. I really do. The only caveat to that is if the Rams go on a run and and keep up with Arizona, then you could have an odd man out situation potentially in the North probably where it would be only the winner of the North and then you would get three teams out of the you know NFC West, and then the two teams out of the South. Minnesota two and five right now. Mm-hmm. Their next five games are the Lions, mm-hmm. the Bears, mm-hmm. the Cowboys, the Panthers, the Jaguars. I mean that's a that's a uh, a, a get your season right stretch. These first two games are critical though, right? The, the two no NFC question. games against the Bears and the Lions. I mean, ideally, if you're a Vikings fan, of course, you win them both, and then you're really in a great position, but absolutely have to split one way or another with those two. Lions have the Vikings, Washington football team, Mm -hmm. the Panthers, the Texans, the Bears. Now, here's the thing I just want to make clear, okay? Everybody's like, well, hey, what a great deal. They're going to get a win when they play Washington. They're going to get a win when they play Dallas. But everybody in your division is playing those teams. Right. It's it, it's the the winning is not gaining in those games. Losing is awful. But you have to win to keep pace. It's like birdieing a par 5 on the PGA Tour. It's like, okay, you made a birdie, but you know what? You're just equal with everybody else now. You're not actually gaining any ground. So it, it's still don't kid yourself. It's the head-to-head matchups that you got to have. Beating the Cowboys and the Jaguars does not get you a lot. It really doesn't. It's true. It's 2 telling New Orleans, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Maybe some more games coming up. We didn't even get into Denver. We didn't even get into New Orleans, Tampa, which I think is very intriguing. And also, uh, Clemson has cut track and field and, and, and cross country, and Coulter is fit to be tied. We'll get to all of this next. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Coulter, it's your turn. You want to do more football now, or do you want to do Clemson track and field? Uh, I'd like to do 
Clemson track and field. Okay. Uh, Clemson has cut its men's uh, track and field team and uh, cross country. Now, this I that's that's as much as I know about this. So, uh, you know, I I know that there are shrinking athletic departments in terms of sports avails at a lot of different schools uh, for various reasons. You can uh, fill us in on the details at your leisure. Where do you start? Um, <laughs> Clemson football is set to generate more than $40 million in profits this year. For those who don't understand the way that the top of the FBS has evolved, two rules that hardly anybody talks about because they only favor the schools who can afford it and everybody else doesn't even have to worry about the rules because they literally can't pay for it, are you're now allowed to hire as many assistant strength coaches as you would like. Uh You can have 50 of them. (laughs) Nick Saban has 20, count them, 20 assistant strength coaches who are former either position coaches or coordinators at Power 5 schools. Nick Saban essentially has 10 DCs on his staff. You can also recruit, or you can also employ um, an unlimited number of recruiting uh, specialists. I guess we'll call them analysts. And you can also have as many straight up analysts as you'd ever like. I don't even have enough time to count up all the people on Clemson's football coaching staff page. Uh Uh-huh. All I can tell you is the lowest paid, the lowest paid of, I believe, what is 77 people on this page makes $230,000 a year. Mm. Everybody else, including, I mean, you just take Dabo Sweeney and you take the offensive and defensive coordinators, that's 15 mil right there. That's enough to fund Clemson track and field for the next 15 years. But instead, they're deciding rather than cut back on maybe the egregious... I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm really, I'm really angry about this. The <laughs> other thing that, that they got to understand is the assistant strength coaches. Why is that impactful? Strength coaches can be with student athletes on the football team around the clock, year year round. There is no limit in terms of practice time. So now, if you have an assistant strength coach that specializes on the wide receivers group, well, why don't you just go hire the best wide receivers coach in the country, make him an assistant strength and conditioning coach? Now all of a sudden, you're having wide receivers meetings 365 days a year. As long as he doesn't take a marker out and start drawing plays on the board, you can be talking about scheme, identity, whatever you want to be talking about. These are full-time coaches that are assistant strength coaches. They're They're just putting them through the strength coach program, but they're coaching the guys around the clock. It's a systematic advantage. There's also been the reduction and then subsequent elimination of the amount that you can electronically communicate with recruits. So it used to be there was limits on the days on the calendar and the times in the day that you could call and communicate with guys. Now there's still limits on calls, but what 18-year-old kid calls anybody? Nobody. So you can text them or tweet at them as much as you want. So these schools now have these recruiting analysts who literally text kids around the clock. How's it going? What'd you have for breakfast? How'd your math test go? Here's your graphic leading up into tonight's game. It's 
nauseating. It's not good for the state of society. But you're also paying these people millions of dollars. So then to say, Clemson came out today and said, because of the financial downfalls we've ex- we've uh, experienced because of COVID-19. Okay, if this was a small school, I would 100% buy that. But the fact is, they brought these kids to Clemson and probably sold them on a bill of goods that we're going to take care of you. They're also trumpeting to boosters across the board Give us money so we can give these young men and women this outstanding experience. And then they just straight cut it. Clemson has seven former track and field athletes that won Olympic medals. And they're cutting the program. I can't even believe it. It's greed at its highest level. And it just makes me so, so, so angry. That was your Burn Street Bistro Burn of the Week. Great fall brunch at Burn Street. Right? It, 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 it certainly is. I might have to need a mimosa after that one. <laughs> they have good ones. Um, I, I, it's, it, I, I get that college sports is a business. I, 100%. So, it's what I built my entire career on is covering the business of college sports. But I, I just find it completely and utterly disingenuous that we let it's just like pork barrel spending in Congress. Like when is enough enough? Mm-hmm. They have to. They 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 can't keep peeling back the rules. They have to have a limit on analysts. And they have to have a limit of communication with kids because it's not good for anybody that's involved. Imagine being a five star recruit. It'd be horrible. I mean, do you really want to get two hundred fifty text messages a day? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Ask me to imagine being a five-star recruit. Sounds great. But here's the thing, though, man. The 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 over the yes. the over glorification is one of the primary reasons, at least in my opinion, of why so many five-star recruits don't go to the NFL. You know this this because you don't have anything to motivate you because you think you're going to get it all given to you, and then this it just sets you up for so many guys flaming out. Maybe you know. We have have you know crushed the NCAA uh, regularly around here, and I feel very good about that. Uh, but you, when you talk about you know, there used to be all these rules about oh you can only text recruits you know during these months and between these hours, and you only have like you know eight texts to send out. I, I mean I don't remember what they were, but there's just this minutia of, sure. of of stuff. And you look at it and you go, my goodness, are you serious? Like you're gonna. You're going to regulate the texting. But, like, this is why. Because when they go, all right, well, go ahead. Now, Alabama is hiring multiple people to be texters. Exactly. And that's all that you're doing. And it's just, I mean, on one hand, does it bother me at all? I mean, I, I don't see it. Doesn't You know, I don't really care. But, you know, it is. it feels like kind of egregious, just the extent to which this stuff goes on. And yet, if everybody else is going to do it, you know, then, then you know, you're kind of you you kind of have to play the game. It seems like at some level, you know. I agree with what you're saying, but this is why I'm always screaming about this: is we've reached the point in FBS college football where results are directly related to spending, and there is no one can spend like Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. They they can't do it. Sure, they can. Texas can do it. Michigan can do it. Maybe a Penn State can jump in there and do it. There's not there. It, it's not. It's not most teams, but there are schools and there are programs that can do it. And you know what? They don't. They're not as good as those other schools. But when we're talking about this being college athletics, and then we're running a basically professional sports entity with no salary cap, it's just it, It's completely robbed. What are, what are, what are some of the most compelling elements of football coming together as a team? 
all for one, one for all, winning for each other, harnessing the magic. How many times have we heard guys that used to play for the Grizz utter the line, well, we weren't the most athletic team in the world, but we played for each other. We knew how to win. You don't have to do that anymore because the winning is just bought for you. You buy the games. You buy the fan base. You buy the recruits. Every single element of it is complete and utter capitalism. And I'm not against capitalism. In fact, I'm a pure capitalist that's all for a free market. But when we're trying to spin this as some sort of pageantry and amateur athletics, it's just not what it is. It's completely and utterly professional football without any regulations. The playing field is not even. It's not even close to as even as it is in the NFL. And it's why that there's going to be no fracturing of it. It's going to be complete and utterly just like this unless there's massive scandals at the top schools. I feel like you are uh, 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 climbing a cliff and you're at the 500 foot level and you look down, you go, oh man, like if I, if I slip here, it could be really bad. But that was true 450 feet ago. And you're looking around going, where am I? Like, this has been like, this is everything you're saying is true, but it's been true for Decades, but that's not true. It is. It's not true. It is. Miami football was one hundred percent irrelevant. One hundred percent irrelevant. It was a complete private school with nothing. And then you hire a transcendent coach who's not scared to go in the inner city and recruit black kids. That changes the entire face of college football. That situation is never going to happen again. Coulter, my Miami became a power for that reason and for some very other uh, major reasons as well. And guess what? It is going to happen again. Let me tell you something. Like, somewhere along the line, something's going to happen where Kansas State, somebody from Manhattan, is going to end up rich and help Kansas State, and then they're going to be a power. And is it tied to money? Yes. But it's always been tied to money in some form or fashion. You think the boosters that were okay. there at Miami that wanted the Canes to be great in but the 80s here's, didn't here's have the, anything to do with it? Here's the difference. You are correct that it's always been about money, but it's never been unregulated like it is now. Now they're allowing everyone to spend all their money in completely egregious ways. You can always spend all your money. You just got more money now because there's giant TV contracts associated with it. If the college football playoff stays in its current state, we will not see. I, I don't know. No one's going to win it besides the teams that are already winning it. That's it. I mean, that's 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 a bizarre statement. I don't even know what it means. I, I just think that there's such a little chance for anybody outside of like the top 10 spenders to win the college football playoff. That's right. A college football playoff should be between about the top 10 teams that there are. But that, but the, the, your status as a top 10 team is directly correlated to money. So, so, so what? What do you mean, so what? You just want to watch the same teams forever. It's not the same teams, a new team every single season, in the same uniforms. I want to see the best people playing football for whatever reason. What did Wisconsin just get? Like the best quarterback in the country coming Wisconsin out of high school. Wisconsin is a great example. Wisconsin will never make the college football playoff. They just got a transcendent quarterback. They're never they always going have to make the a college top football five playoff. offensive line, a great running back, and a salty defense. Yeah, 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 they, have yeah, they have all the chance it. in the world to win the freaking Holiday Bowl. The Wisconsin Badgers National Champions 2023. Book it. <laughs> 
What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Welcome back to Tell New Orleans, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. At Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN, SKI Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. Uh, if you missed anything in the show, listen on the podcast, the Tutel Nuanas podcast. You can get wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, and listen at your leisure on your time. That's the beauty of a podcast. It's available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Uh, Coulter, let's do a couple more NFL games here just quickly because we didn't. We only really got to about two of them in that first uh, piece there. But uh, a lot of Bronco fans out there, Denver, who, oh, look now, has won a couple games here back-to-back is on the road uh, playing in Atlanta. The Falcons, interestingly, are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I think that's probably about right, especially being in Atlanta, this football game. Uh, what do you think about this game? I know that you think that I'm crazy about how – you think I think Denver's way better than they actually are. I think you think Denver's worse than they actually are. So maybe they're somewhere in the middle. What do we think about Atlanta? We kind of agree on Atlanta, don't we? Well, I think this is a game where what's your ceiling? And Atlanta has a significantly higher ceiling than Denver. They do. agree with that? Yes, I would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Todd Gurley and Julio Jones are rolling, Atlanta's going to score points. They can score points Mm -hmm. on anybody. I know you hate Matt Ryan, but they can score points on anybody. I don't know. I need to watch Drew Locke more because you think he's good, and I don't think he's good. And I I guess I just need a bigger sample size. Yeah. I think my here's my thing about Drew Locke. When, when you watch him play quarterback, you're going to see a guy playing quarterback and do his thing and make some great throws and, and make some dumb throws, okay? It's okay. He's not, a, he's not a great quarterback. I don't even know at this very moment that I would say about an NFL standards. He's a good quarterback. Right. But what I am saying is I love, first of all, the, the talent that I see when, it, when he's at his best, and I also I like the way that he goes about it. I like his mentality. I like his... Um, what I perceive to be a, a, a confidence, but that's mixed up with a little bit of buoyancy and kind of a fun but but serious attitude when he's on the field. And I think that from a what it takes to play quarterback sort of a makeup, that's what I like most about Drew Locke. He's got a long way to go to be a good quarterback in this league, a long way to go. But I think he has the potential in him. There's guys I watch. You, you, you got you watch you, you got to you watch a quarterback for one year. And you can go, mm-mm, this ain't an NFL quarterback. Sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. Drew Locke, I look at him, I go, yeah, this is an NFL quarterback. This guy can play and uh, needs to be brought along, but he he can get the job done. We had this dearth of quarterbacks entering the league <laughs> that were really good. Here's what I'm saying. You watch enough football mm-hmm. where the first time you see Joe Burrow Every young quarterback in the NFL is going to be inconsistent. Yeah. But you say, once he figures out the inconsistencies, money. Joe's rock. Justin Herbert. Yeah. Once he figures out Mm -hmm. the inconsistencies, which he really hasn't even had any yet, money. Mm -hmm. 
Tua Tagovailoa. I know he did. He struggled last week, but you can see how talented well, he I, is. I, I'm not ready to to say that about Tua okay. in the league. Uh, okay, but Kyler Murray. I'm trying to think of other young quarterbacks. And Carson Wentz, even, when he's at, at his best, you can see what the upside is, what the sure. talent level is. And to me, Drew Locke, his upside, his the best he could even be is somewhere like Baker Mayfield. Bro, that's just not that good. First of all, Baker Mayfield isn't even to where Baker Mayfield could be. And second of all, he could be. you're completely wrong about that assessment about him. But also, who did you cite? A number one overall pick, a number one overall pick, a number five overall pick, a number two overall pick, and a number six overall pick. He ain't any of those things. I understand. So what's his upside? Like being in the bottom third starting quarterbacks in the league? No. Every quarterback's a top ten pick. That's what it is in the NFL. First of all, there's a bunch of quarterbacks that aren't a top ten pick. There's a bunch of quarterbacks that are bottom half of the draft pick. Okay? So that's that's crazy, but I'm talking about where you get a guy and what you need him to do, is he their franchise quarterback for the next 10 years? I don't know. But he could be, and that's better than him playing and going, nope, he can't be. When they when the Denver Broncos drafted Paxton Lynch at the end of the first round, and he rolled out on the field, you go, whoa, Broncos got a problem. Paxton Lynch can't play football in the league. Can't do it. Drew Locke rolls out there, you go, okay, this dude might be able to do it. And that's a better situation than that you can't do it. Is he is he is he Joe Burrow? No. But who is? Joe Burrow's the first pick in the draft and looks great. Twenty two of the thirty NFL teams right now have guys have quarterbacks that were drafted in the top twelve picks in the NFL draft. That's what it is. Okay. And some of those were wasted. And then you got Drew Locke, who's got a think, chance. I just don't think Drew Locke has that big of a chance to be better than any, like Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not, I don't think he has a chance to be better than those guys. Broncos beating Atlanta straight up on Sunday. I <laughs> love it. Boys and girls, have a great Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow. It's tell Nuanas ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.